Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. It is episode 87. I almost said 78, but we're on episode 87, and today we were talking about if we were villains. And this week's episode, I'd like to dedicate to my favorite teacher, Mr. LB, who passed away on July 21st. He was, of course, my English teacher for many years and truly helped to foster my love of both reading and writing. Not only that, but he helped me endure the intense bullying that I put up with at school. He was always a safe refuge, a safe place, a safe person, and I am truly thankful that for that. I know he impacted many students in his long teaching career, so rest in peace, Mr. LB, and, and thank you for all you did for me and so many other students. Your legacy lives on. Things are still busy and hectic with my full-time job, but I am trying to set limits for myself and make sure to walk away when I need to. <laughs> I also finished up two books this weekend, so that definitely helps. I took the whole weekend off and didn't work. Well, I worked a tiny little bit and I barely did any housework. <laughs> it was wonderful and terrible at the same time. Today, I'm feeling a little anxiety because there's so much housework to do, and now it's the middle of the work week again already. <laughs> money is still tight, and I'm trying not to spend any extra. I am saving up money for a few fun things that I can do with the boy, so it's not all just staying at home and doing nothing. The Wisconsin State Fair is coming up, and that's something that we do every year. It's not anything that I haven't experienced before, but I love it, and I also know the boy enjoys it too, so we make sure to make some time for that, and so definitely setting some money aside was important to do that. I like trying all the new foods, even if he doesn't. He's got his regular foods that he likes, like corn dogs and cheese curds, so I'll get him what he wants, but I'm looking forward to trying some new things for myself. Then, of course, there's the giant slide and the giant Ferris wheel, all the animals, and I'm so glad the milk station is back. For those of you who aren't from the dairy state, <laughs> the milk station is always a popular attraction. So cups of milk used to be 25 cents it's a glass, and I think now they're like 75 cents and maybe even a dollar. I'm not sure. I definitely know that they have gone up, but you can get all sorts of different flavors. There's usually chocolate, strawberry, cherry vanilla and root beer. Personally, root beer is my favorite. There was one year that I remember where I took my cousin Kirsten to the state fair, and I think I bought her about 10 glasses of milk. I honestly don't know how she didn't get sick after that. And maybe she did feel a little upset with her stomach, but I remember doing that and just drinking so much milk and it was a blast. I always had a great time with my cousin Kirsten. I'm not sure where she's at or what she is doing now, but I hope she's doing well. And of course, if she just randomly happened to be listening to this, you know, reach out to me. I would love to get in touch and hang out again. I always like the sky glider too, but it depends on what our budget is and how much we get to do. A lot of times we'll take a friend, but unfortunately, I cannot swing pain for another kiddo this year. The boy will be okay with just the two of us, and I'll be able to spend a little bit more on just him. I told him the other day because he was wanting to buy something, and I reminded him, hey, we're going to State Fair soon, so you might want to save your money in case there's something that you want to buy at State Fair. Anyways, hopefully that makes up for us not doing a whole lot this summer. 
We did go to the Dells and had a blast, but there's just been a little more at-home time lately. Even going up to the cabin sometimes is a little more money than I feel comfortable spending. It's just because we keep going out and going to the pizza bar and uh, hanging out with some friends that we know. It's really nice just doing nothing this weekend other than relax, watch TV, and get some reading done. I have been trying to do it all, and honestly, most days I can do it all, but it does definitely wear me out. I'm taking a break from dating now again. That next guy that I was talking about was a total sweetheart, but I don't think either one of us really has time to date. Our schedules just didn't line up at all, and we ended things on good terms, and who knows what may happen down the road. I was talking to one of my younger coworkers, and she does a different job than me and really is just starting out in her career, but we were chatting the other day, and she was asking me some questions about myself and my life. So I was sharing some past jobs and some of the life stories that I've got under my belt and a little about the traveling that I've done. And she told me I've had such a really interesting life and I've been so successful in my career. And honestly, it was just what I needed to hear. I've been struggling a little bit in this market and just kind of feeling pretty down. And she reminded me that I have been, I have so much to be thankful for, that I've done so much. And even though I haven't done as much traveling as I want to, I have traveled, I have lived, I've had such a great life already. And yeah, it's a downtime right now, but life is cyclical and it will all definitely come back. I read somewhere too that, quote, you have not met yet met all the people who will love you. And that reminded me that I haven't met all the people who will love me, whether they're friends or partners. And I also haven't done all the traveling that I will do. There is still so much of my life left to live. And even though it's a bit of a rough patch right now and I get discouraged a lot about money, I know that it's going to get better. So for the booze this week, I'm totally doing a red wine again. (laughs) And I don't care that I'm doing a red wine again because I like red wine. It's a bit odd because it is summer and I much prefer cold beers and cold white wines. But the books I'm reading are just better fitting with red wine. Next week, though, will be a beer, I promise. So I picked this week's wine because it totally made me laugh when I saw it on the shelf. It's called Sheep Thrills, and it's an Italian red blend. The label has sheep who are parachuting and holding a glass of wine. And it's perfect because this the book this week is heavily influenced by Shakespeare, and Shakespeare loved his puns. Hence, sheep thrills. It was a great blend, exactly the type that I enjoy. Not too sweet and a little more on the dry side. It comes in at 13.5% ABV. And the flavors are cherries, black plum, and spice, which I always love the description of spice as a flavor. Like, what spice? There are so many spices. Black pepper as a spice has a completely different flavor in wine than a cinnamon flavor as a spice. So, sure, I guess I definitely tasted some spice in this wine. (laughs) And I'm not picking on the wine because I see that all the time on labels. And I've never really called it out before. But for some reason, I was thinking about it this week and it just kind of made me laugh. It wasn't too heavily cherry flavor, more general berry flavor that I taste in so many red blends. So I wouldn't really necessarily call this one distinctive but enjoyable and one I'd recommend for some of my um, for someone with the same taste in me as wine. And this one is one I'll get for sure. 
online, I saw it for right around $8.99, but I think I paid a little bit more. I think it was $9.99 when I picked it up, but I didn't make a note of it, so I, I'm not 100% sure. But I'd say it's probably in my like normal price range of what I like to pay for just an average bottle of wine for myself when I'm picking up a drink. It's recommended for Italian foods, aged cheeses, red meat dishes, and lamb. <laughs> Sheep Thrills, they recommended lamb on the label. And I love how in parentheses they add, just don't tell the sheep. Of course, red meat and red wines usually pair pretty well together. For this one, I'd agree with those recommendations. Honestly, I hate to say it, but the lamb is a good choice. And I'd serve this with lamb and homemade pasta. It would feel like a decadent meal and pair really well with both the wine and the book. As far as the author this week... Well, I hadn't heard of ML Real before. I had certainly heard of If We Were Villains. So I started with her website, which is nice, crisp, clean, and visually easy on the eyes. If We Were Villains is her only book, so of course it takes up a majority of the website. She does have a nice little bio, so this is directly from her website. Quote, ML Rio was born in Miami and raised in North Carolina by parents from California and has never known how to answer the question, where are you from? Her writing career began in elementary school with Reading Rainbow's Young Writers and Illustrators Contest and a story about a girl with a pet dragon and the problem of how to hide it for, from her parents. And honestly, for my generation, what person's writing career didn't start with Reading Rainbow, or at least their reading career too? She picked up a pen to write her first novel at the much more judicious age of 12, half a dozen drawer novels later. She is represented by Ariel Datz of Donau Carlson and Lerner Literacy Agency, Incorporated. Her debut novel, If We Were Villains, was published by Flatiron Books in 2017 and since has become an international bestseller published in 20 countries and 15 languages. Her music writing is published in the Vinyl District. In addition to her work as a writer, she is a recovering actor turned academic, which would make sense based on the content of the book. <laughs> she holds an MA in Shakespeare Studies from King's College London and Shakespeare's Globe and has a PhD in English Literature from the University of Maryland College Park. Her research explores representations of madness and mood disorder on the early modern stage. She lives in Washington, D.C. with too many books, don't we all? <laughs> too many records and a mutt called Marlowe. She doesn't have a Wikipedia, but the book does, and it's a decent-sized page which breaks down the story and the characters in a nice little refresher. There is a series adaptation in the works, apparently, according to the Wikipedia, and I will be anxiously awaiting that. Of course, who knows, you know, with this um, actor strike, when some things will be recorded. I know I was just reading something online about how they took down the whole um, set of Wicked due to the actor's strike. Though I don't know if it's maybe because they were complete. I think it's because it was the actor's strike. But I was just covering my streaming services last night for a good dark TV series. And I was thinking along the lines of like Bates Motel. But that wasn't an, on any of the streaming services that I subscribe to. And this would have definitely fit the bill. I did try to look up the TV show and it does have a production company, but there is no set release date yet or any other information. So I'm guessing they haven't even started um, production and recording of that or even set the actors, especially again with the actor strike. 
into the book now. I have seen this book recommended on Reddit so many times, and it's been on my list for a while. And then I was lamenting on how I wanted to read The Secret History again. So I looked up a list of books that were labeled as dark academia as The Secret History was. If We Were Villains was one of the top recommended, so I figured I should probably finally check this book out because I've been seeing the name for so long now. And it was available available on Scribed, so I decided to listen to it. And if you haven't checked out Scribed yet, I absolutely love it. I'm still really enjoying it. You can get 60 days free by using my link, which is in the show notes. And they don't pay me or anything. I just really like Scribed. And um, if you're looking for if we were villains, this is a way to um, and this is a way to listen to it. It definitely fit the mood that I was in. I've been driving around a lot for work and I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. So sometimes my mind wanders. And if I'm not fully immersed in the audiobook already, then I find myself thinking about work and other things too, and money, of course. (laughs) This was a book that I was very focused on and was excited to turn on every time I got in the car. I was like, oh yeah, if we were villains, let me turn that on quick. It is the story of seven theater students who are attending an elite art school in Illinois. The main character, Oliver Marks, has been imprisoned for the murder of one of the students in his clique. The novel is part story form to the detective who helped convict Oliver and part memory form as Oliver revisits his past. The story is very Shakespeare heavy, and Rigo shares at the end of the book that it was written as an homage to Shakespeare. The characters quote Shakespeare, but also use Shakespearean language to form their own sort of language, mixing it in with the current times and their lives to share their own private system of communication. There are some direct quotes that I found myself quoting along to the multiple lines from Romeo and Juliet. I did read some Shakespeare in both high school and college, but none stuck with me like Romeo and Juliet did. I am a huge romantic, which of course I've mentioned before, and I felt as though Romeo and Juliet was the epitome of romance, of course not realizing then, as I do now, how tragic and flawed their infatuation is. I still swoon a bit when I hear certain phrases, and I can't help but imagine Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio from Baz Luhrmann's movie from 1996. It's a bit sad now that I see Leonardo DiCaprio and he's nothing of what he was to my teenage fantasies. I can't say that I've aged perfectly at all, but the illusion is gone from what Leo meant to me back then. (laughs) Though I was never a fan of actors that much, more so the characters that they played, and I mostly understood the difference. Jared Leto is another one who fell hard for me. While I mentioned a while back that I talked about an where I talked about an episode of the Fritz Boys podcast that discussed Leo, uh, not Leo, um, Leto and his cult, Jared Leto and his cult, which is very interesting. So check out that episode if you haven't. Before I get too far down the rabbit hole of my past, though, I will bring it back to the book. Rio said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that while people have differing views of Shakespeare, she is a fan and there's so much that we can enjoy and learn from his plays. And I'd agree with that sentiment. The novel did make me want to read some Shakespeare and I envy the characters in the novel a bit. They're at such a beautiful point in their lives where they worry little about money and the future and are just able to focus on theater, which is their passion. Oliver is the only one of the group not from a wealthy family, so mostly I don't think any of them had to worry about money anyways, but it is also very different when you're in school and someone else is paying the bills. (laughs) 
even if he recognizes that with the scholarship and family helping him pay for school, he is incredibly, incredibly fortunate to be at Delacour Classic Conservatory. They live and breathe the acting and the theater. Rio does a decent job of trying to make it seem like all work, like the and they have to dive into their strengths and weaknesses to grow as people and actors, but she doesn't quite pull it off. There are a few moments when the students are challenged and a few of their revelations about themselves were valid, but not what I'd consider exactly earth shattering. For example, Meredith is the classic beauty of the group. And there's a moment where she must admit to her complete and utter embarrassment that she worries people will only view her as a great body and a pretty face. And while I'm not making light of this by any means, I'm willing to bet that it's a concern of anyone who is beautiful, who has a re- even a remotely average level of intelligence. I heard somewhere once that beautiful people want to hear they're smart and intelligent one- people want to hear that they're attractive. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I know I'm an intelligent person. I don't say that in an arrogant way, but I know I'm I'm pretty intelligent. But I also know that I'm below average in looks. So yeah, I want to hear that someone finds me attractive because that's where my insecurities lie. And I don't think it's any great revelation that that would be true in a lot of cases for people. So for me, the scene with Meredith is a little lackluster because in my opinion, it lacks depth. Something else that lacks real depth for me is Richard as a character. There aren't real spoilers here, but if you prefer to skip ahead, now would be a good time to do it a little bit. If you've read anything about the book, you'll know that Richard is the friend in the group who is the one who is murdered. Richard is not very well liked, so there's a lot of emotion surrounding each of the characters based on their individual relationship with him. Ren is his cousin, so as his family, she seems a little more uh, to feel a little more of an attachment for that reason alone. Though Richard is a bully. He's the star of every show, though, and he's incredibly arrogant. In fact, I find no reason to be friends with him or, in Meredith's case, date him other than to try to attach themselves to him because he's someone who's likely to be successful, you know, attaching yourself to a rising star. But he seems like an incredibly terrible person, though I think Rio missed an opportunity here. The dark part of the dark academia in the novel seems to be more surrounding the murder and the mystery part. Richard is a very dark and dangerous person. Rio does a nice job slowly revealing how dark and potentially dangerous he is and can be, though I think the missed opportunity lies in delving more into Richard's psyche. Oliver is the main character, thus told from his perspective, there's a lot Oliver doesn't know. So in a way, I'm in that way, I'm not exactly sure the best way to go about that would have been since we don't really know the inner workings of Richard. Perhaps from additional revelations from Ren and Meredith about Richard's upbringing, Richard's life, and how he reacts to things. The book gets compared to the secret history, and Rio stated in a Reddit Ask Me Anything post that the secret history was not really an influence on her at all, and she kind of dislikes the comparisons. Though, since it does get compared and there are some things similar, I'll say that was the genius of Henry in The Secret History that Tart does so well. Henry is such a complex, fleshed out character. I would have loved to see that for Richard because I feel like there's so much more to him than what Rio put on the page. That's the big challenge with writing is that so many of these characters are real people in the minds of the author. It's truly getting them down on a page in a way that the readers understand that makes sense to them and makes them real for the readers too. I think Rio does a really great job in fleshing out Oliver. Oliver is definitely the most real to me, the most known, the most exposed. 
way he contemplates the experiences of his youth are so relatable and so full of a ringing truth that even as someone of my age, I can definitely relate to that. Well, I haven't been spent years in prison to analyze my experiences. I have spent plenty of time mulling them around in my mind. And I enjoyed the setup of the book and the story. It's set in scenes like a play and in some ways feels like a play. It's also set up for Oliver revealing the story. It's a certain type of plot device, but I think Rio does it well. The story vacillates between past and present with Oliver seeming to get lost in some of his own memories and the flashbacks that he's having. The past and the conflicts among the group are the most interesting parts, of course, but I think Rio splices things uh, well together and it's not too jarring to go back and forth. It's not just dark academia, but it's also coming of age, which is a personal favorite of mine. It's not just Oliver, but of course it does focus on him. It's about figuring out who we are as people, who our friends are, who our friends should be, and what family means. It explores that meaning of family, but more so the meaning of what our created families are, who our created families are, and what importance they hold in our lives. The characters are also convinced that we, they will be a family forever, not understanding even after Richard's death that people and groups of people will constantly come and go from our lives. They can't comprehend that those who mean so much to them now will end up being distant memories in their future, and some as if they never even existed. It's really truly only Oliver who is trapped in time. Prison holds him back, so he's not able to move on the way his friends are. And of course, it's a story about love. It's about being brave enough to love. And the more I grow, the more I realize that even though I'm a romantic heart, I'm a romantic at heart, I am a brave romantic. While I've been hurt and I've been broken, I don't hold on to my damage the way that I see a lot of my peers and a lot of the guys that I've been dating do. I love hard and I love long, but that doesn't mean I can't pick myself up and keep living. It doesn't mean I hold a grudge against love, just people. (laughs) And honestly, even those I have let go of. There is so much romance among the friends group, which is often the case, especially at their ages. But Rio writes them true. Where there is fear, there's also bravery in their emotions that many adults don't have. The writing is beautiful and incorporates Shakespeare in such a rich and pleasurable way. The imagery is great. Who can't imagine themselves at Delacour at the Masked Ball or in the castle during the hard rain? It's a book that I definitely wish I had read sooner, but also one that I'm glad that I waited for so I could read it now. For me, it's a four out of five. I can't quite give it that five because I would have liked to see a little more darkness and a little more depth in the other characters, but Still, I would say a phenomenal book, and I truly enjoyed listening to it. Goodreads gives it a 4.21. One reviewer said, If we were villains, lured me in like a fish to a hook by appealing to my dark academia-loving heart. Yep, I feel that. (laughs) Shakespearean aesthetics, academic setting, homoeroticism, a secret society, characters doing morally dubious things, and a devastating murder. In short, I was never going to surface from this story with my emotions intact. Another said, quote, this book is absolutely sensational, a work of true brilliance, and I'm so enamored by this story and everything it has to offer. It's quite clever and beyond invigorating, the type of book that fully immerses you whilst reading it. And I would agree, even So I was driving a lot of the time when I was listening to this, but even while I was driving, I was still able to see that imagery and picture myself there. And it was just incredible. Another reviewer, because I've always got to balance things out, 
quote, um, this was boring, but they put a question mark. So I'm like, I think they were just surprised maybe that they were bored by it. And maybe I'm uncultured or whatever, but my God, all those Shakespeare quotes annoyed the hell out of me. I didn't care for any of the characters. I didn't care for the plot and I didn't care who the murderer was. I was bored out of my mind. So again, I always hate when people say they didn't care for the characters because there are certain things about the characters that they can't always be likable. And honestly, humans aren't always likable. Perfect characters to me are the boring ones. And so personally, I was not bored, but I like to give that balanced viewpoint. And if you like Dark Academia, definitely check this one out. I haven't done much TV time lately, but I did start The Summer I Turned Pretty Season 2, which I did recommend last summer when the first season came out. I had read the first book and then the second book, and I'm enjoying the second season, and it's following the book pretty closely from what I recall. Even as an adult, there is something enjoyable about reliving teenage summer romances and your first love. The Summer I Turned Pretty is just the ticket for that. As I mentioned before when I reviewed this to begin with, People complain about Belly being too self-absorbed, and I definitely see it more in the second season. But let's be real. She's a teenager whose parents divorced, her heart was broken by her first love, who she had a crush on for years, and her mom's best friend has died. The kid has a lot going on she needs to process. Most people, teenagers especially, are pretty self-absorbed. So for me, it doesn't take away from the magic of the show. People have flaws, and there's nothing wrong with seeing those flaws on screen or in print, as I was just talking about with If We Were Villains. So check out the second season of The Summer I Turned Pretty on Prime. Also, The Bureau of Magical Things on Netflix. The boy and I were looking for a new show and started this one. We're not very far in it, but I really think it's cute. He doesn't want to keep watching it or doesn't think he wants to, but I think I will, even though it's a show for teens and tweens. Hey, I just recommend another teen show, so give me a break. And I have no shame about this one either. (laughs) It's about a young girl who accidentally interrupts a fight between a fairy and an elf. Somehow, and it hasn't been revealed yet, she ends up with magical powers of her own. So she's admitted into a special school with the fairies and elves to learn how to control and develop her magic. It's lighthearted and seems like a fun show, so I am going to keep watching it even if the boy decides he does not want to watch it with me. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at don'treaddrunk, email me at don'treaddrunk at gmail.com, or check out my website, don'treaddrunk.buzzsprout.com. There is no apostrophe in any of those don'ts. Also, this is a hobby podcast, and I'm kind of broke right now. So anything that you can do to donate to the podcast, you can, and it's much appreciated. You can do a one-time donation through PayPal using my email, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. And you can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don'treaddrunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sunup, who created the music. You can find One Up Till Sunup on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House, you can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. Also, Supernova Coffee and Donuts, downtown Milwaukee. Don't forget about my new sponsor, Karen Rothley Fine Arts. You can find Karen on Etsy and Facebook. Next episode, we'll talk about Figure 8 by Jeff Nania. Nania, I think. (laughs) Bye, and talk to you soon. 